0: We welcome all of our new online listeners. Hi, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney, the hosting pastor of Excel Church in IOM America. XL represents Exchange Life. Our church is an outreach of IOM America. Everything we do sits upon the pedestal of compassion. So let's get started. Enjoy the worship, illustrative videos, prayer, and weekly message.
1: Love incarnate, love divine, star and angels gave the sign. Bow to babe on bended knee The Savior of humanity Unto us a child is born
0: Eschatology, Unfolding the Power of Prophecy. This is our 220 Revelation series. This week someone asked me, exactly what is eschatology? Eschatology is a part of critical theology concerned with the final events of past, present, future events foretold in the Old Testament prophecies particularly in the book of Revelation. It depicts the ultimate destiny of humanity while revealing the fulfilled prophetic events of Jesus Christ. Keep in mind, this concept is commonly referred to as the end of the world or the end times. The word itself arises from the Greek word eskatos, meaning last, loji meaning the study of. So when you think of the word eschatology, the simplest way to keep things intact within your mind, block out all that confusion, just remember it's a study of the end times. Today we're on number 47. The title of this particular message is called The Great War Between Michael the Archangel Versus Satan himself. Let's take a look at our overview for today. As we enter into this phase of the book of Revelation, we must be careful not to hold Satan's unbiblical view. We find two positions that most welcome, denies existence, or giving Satan and his demons too much credit. If anyone loves negative press, that would be Satan. Keep in mind, though, His primary objective is to seek to create confusion about his true nature and purpose. The Bible exposes Satan from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. Many times people question why God would even allow him to have limited power throughout the earth for 6,000 years. But like the chaff that is on the outside of wheat seed... The chaff is needed to protect the seed itself. Same is the case in regard to God using the devil and all of his oppressive things and methods. Ultimately, it all works together for the good and protects the true bride of Christ until it's time for the great harvest. One of the most pervasive and persistent popular myths about Satan is typically pictured in our Halloween pictures, red-dressed man holding a pitchfork. That's not exactly how Satan is going to be presenting himself to the world very soon. In reality, Satan is not in hell. That is a future event for him. In fact, he's never been there any references about him coming out of the earth or out of the pit or whatever, these still are not the actual Hebrew descriptives of hell. Hell is a place that he will send him, his triune, which is the false prophet, the beast, and the antichrist, and anyone who decided not to accept Jesus Christ into their life. These will go to hell. It's an ultimate Place prepared for all of those who deny Jesus Christ to be God. So just keep in mind that he will not be sentenced to the lake of fire until after his final rebellion is crushed at the end of the millennium, the 1,000-year reign and judgment of Jesus Christ. Let's review our scripture for today. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels wage war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough. And there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times and a half a time from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped woman And the earth opened its mouth and drank up the water which the dragon poured out of his mouth. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. That's found in Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 17. Let's look at that war in heaven. Well, I don't know about you, but wars in heaven? It seems a bit odd when we have been taught from childhood that heaven is secured from the enemy. Well, we need to talk about the details of what that looks like. So we need to start by keeping Satan in his proper place No, he is not in the eternal heaven where God dwells. Only the purified and holy are allowed in the Lord's eternal tabernacle. The word heaven here is arenos, which means sky or extension of heaven. The reason why it is critical for us to understand the organic text is to avoid confusion. We cannot confuse this passage when Satan was thrown down to the ground after attempting to take God's throne. Another critical factor here is that when, in our passage, Satan and his demons are at war with Michael the archangel, not with God himself. Secondly, the archangel, Michael, is in the extended sky or heaven surrounding the third heaven which holds God's presence. Okay, you probably have heard terms like seven heavens or seventh heaven. Actually, that is a Muslim concept. Scripturally speaking, as we're going to look at now in our three primary heavens, we're going to discover how critical it is to understand these three heavens. Most people believe that Gonna to go to heaven when they die. At most funerals you hear the grievers talk about the dead one looking down from heaven or they're in a better place. While this is true for true indwelt believers who die, these kinds of statements comfort the griever and if we want to get real and true about that, in many cases, People tend to lie to themselves so they don't feel guilty about the possibility that they truly did not get to the third heaven. Fact is, 90% of the dead are nowhere close to that third heaven. But in actuality, the Bible describes three heavens, not just one. Let's take a look at those. The first heaven mentioned in scripture is the sky. The abode of the birds and kites and airplanes. You can read more about that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 20. Job 12, verse 7. And Psalms 8, verse 8. There are many other passages in the Bible that talk about this, but we're going to use these three passages to explain how the first heaven is much different than the second and the third. The second heaven described in Scripture is outer space, the abode of the sun, the moon, the stars. Genesis fifteen five, Deuteronomy four nineteen, and Psalms eight three all mention this second heaven. The third heaven is addressed in Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verses two through four, the spiritual realm that is the abode of God the Father, God the Son the Holy Spirit, the holy angels, the 24 elders, and the saints who accepted Jesus as God. Ephesians 1.20 says that the Father has raised the Messiah from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Paul tells us about a man who visited this third heaven in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2-4. through Many scholars believe that this was none other than John, Jesus' beloved, who wrote the book of Revelation. Within the spiritual realm of the third heaven, there is a dimension surrounding the holy court, in which Satan and his demons wage war, a place Michael the archangel and his warring angels dwell. Michael's primary responsibility is to keep all evil from the throne of the living God. That's his job. The last I remember, Satan is the face of all evil. Therefore, since his ejection from God's presence, Satan will never have the prerogative of going face-to-face with God again. From what we can see from the scriptures, God deals with Satan face to face only twice. Once when he stood up against God as Lucifer, which is stated in Ezekiel chapter 28, and the other when he came before God on account of Job. However, most theologians, I included, believe the second encounter was not with God directly, but with the Son, Jesus Christ. All the other encounters are with angels, humans, and Christ himself. In our passage, we have another case of Satan, the dragon, not being able to get to God directly, but has to deal with Michael, the archangel. So let's take a look at the great archangel Michael. Michael is the angel in charge of warfare. Being titled as the leading archangel, he carries the responsibility of leading all angels. Even though he plays an active role, always alert, always in play, he is only mentioned in the word five times. That's Daniel 10.13, Daniel 12.1, Jude 9, Revelation 12.7, and 1 Thessalonians 4.16. As with all God's secret weapons, Michael is God's most powerful defense, lacking in fame and attention. In 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ." will rise first. Another important note, Michael is the leading angel assigned to the Jewish people to preserve the Hebrew culture, their land, which is Israel, their customs, and more importantly, the 144,000 pure bloodline Jews. He is probably the chief guardian over all of God's elect, past, present, and saints to come, according to Daniel 12.1. In our passage, we see him ready to war against the greatest enemy of the woman Israel, during the time of the Great Tribulation. Without question, Michael is about to put Satan in his place, forever. But let's talk about this delusional Satan. Up to now, Satan has been under the impression that he is the owner of the entire earth. Remember when he attempted to negotiate with Jesus? Matthew 4, 5 through 10 says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You and I can look upon this scene and see the deception Satan is under. The devil thought he could have swung a deal with Jesus by using the very land that belonged to Jesus. The phrase, Sin makes you stupid, is about to be proven. Under Satan's illusion, he continues to form an elusive case up to this very hour. With Jesus knowing this demise, he warns his disciples of this. Right out of Matthew 24, verse 6, it says, You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. He spoke about human-to-human or human-to-demon wars in the lower heavens, opposing powers when Jesus said those words. Revelation 12 is referencing a much different war. This time, Michael and his angels war against the devil and his demons, a war that will be won before it started. Since the day that Lucifer was cast out of heaven and renamed Satan, the devil, or deceiver, he, Satan, has been throwing a temper tantrum. In this particular battle, God will start clearing all evil from the earth, starting with this battle with Michael and Satan. It is God's method of dealing with the curse placed upon the earth. By the way, the meaning of curse from the Hebrew is the residue of evil. Let's review the birth pangs of this event. Romans 8.22 shows us, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Fact is, everything groans for the final war to be over, everything, even the earth. God's creation is out of sync because of what the devil has done, and certainly what he's about to do. It all needs to be made straight in heaven on earth. Colossians openly tells us how all this will be done. That's right out of chapter 1, verse 20. It says, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. As Colossians states, this will be done by the hand of Jesus Christ himself. The blood of Jesus is about to reveal its most potent element. Without Jesus shedding his blood, there would be no remission, and I mean no re-mission, to finish the task at hand. This re-mission starts with Jesus hitting the reset button through Michael's efforts in this war of the heavens. Quickly this take a look at the four primary names of Satan. Keep in mind that the enemy has other names besides the devil or Satan. Number 1, the great dragon due to his relentless acts of vengeance. Number 2, the old serpent which is how God references him in this passage the not-so-affectionate term God gave him after he put him on his belly in the garden, after he deceived Adam and Eve. Like a serpent, he's crafty, and he's forever cunning and full of empty deception. Yes, Satan is a snake. Number three, the devil, seems to be one of God's favorite names for him. The name devil is used more than his other names. And of course number four is Satan, which is my personal favorite because it clearly defines what he's about. It appears to be the name that brings more negative reaction to man, beast, in the spirit world because it formalizes his political aspirations and goals, the ruler over the earth. There are other biblical references or names used, factors about 13 of them. But these four are the primary names used in the book of Revelation. Now looking at Satan being shaken to the core. Satan was shaken to the core with the reality that he was thrown down to the earth. Again, he began persecuting the woman Israel who brought the man child. Interesting as it is, the woman was given two wings of an eagle, which she might fly into the wilderness, into her place. Will Satan know where she is? Does Satan have that kind of supernatural omnisite? This is one of those passages that reveal that Satan does not have the type of power the Christian church is used to giving him. Well, the answer to these questions is no. Even if he did know where this secret hiding place was, which I doubt, he still could not touch them. We need to remember that the deception that evolves around Satan blinds us to truth. I believe that God the Father blinds the enemy from more of his reality than any human or demonic being could imagine. Christians and I mean indwell believers are the only created beings that can understand truth, thus understanding portions of the future that God deems appropriate for us to understand. Satan, nor his followers, demonic or human, none of them have any ability to understand truth without the Holy Spirit. Therefore, they cannot look past the ends of their selfish desires which is the case in our passage. Israel once again is exiled into the wilderness and hidden in Jesus Christ, but this time not to be abused as slaves but directly protected by God. He cares for the Israelites and nourishes them for three and a half years, the worst portion of the Antichrist's rule in his tribulation. Be assured that the enemy, Satan, can do nothing to get at her. She is completely protected from the Antichrist. I believe that this place is most likely Petra, shelter of the rock. Moments before Israel's planned protective exile, the snake makes his last attempt to destroy the woman, Israel and her man-child, the second coming of Christ. What does he do? Believe it or not, he spits out a flood in an attempt to drown the woman. Let's see here. Now we have Satan trying to replicate the flood? I think not. If you look at the details of this passage closely, you will see that it is the total opposite of the Red Sea's miracle. Before Satan, who was called Pharaoh at that time, was chasing the woman Israel, the Hebrew people, by backing them into the Red Sea. God opens the waters, parts them, forms dry land, walks the woman Israel through, and closes the floodgates. And Satan Pharaoh runs back to camp with his tail between his legs. In Revelation 12, Satan attempts to do the flooding and the drowning. He uses what God did to him in the past to formulate his reactions in the future. Well, since he's not an originator, he uses God's techniques and ways, twists them up a bit, and conducts vengeance in the same way God disciplines him. Sin does make you stupid. As expected, God defends the woman Israel, opens the earth, and swallows up the water. Does Satan think God is just going to sit back and do nothing? When does he finally get it? Well, fact is, he doesn't. He thinks he is the great I Am to the very end. Even as he will be cast into the lake of fire, his tail will be snatching to gather up to take as many as he can as he goes down. He is, as sin makes you, stubborn, blinded, and deceived to the very end. The evidence of this is in reviewing what he does after realizing he cannot touch Israel. Again in verse 17 it says, So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of Of her children, who keeps God's commandments and holds to the testimony of Jesus. As usual, just like a pouty kid, he goes and picks a fight with the underdog, the remaining Jews scattered in other lands. Talk about a bully. Satan's most difficult message to embrace is that God is not easily mocked and he will not be controlled by man, beast, or angel. He is the great I Am. I hate to say it, but the hardcore suffering for those folks, their darkest hour still lies ahead. On a positive note, it will be followed by a shout of joy in the morning. This 144,000 becomes... An elect few that can glorify God in the ways none of us have been able to glorify God in the past. This group is truly a special group of body members in Christ Jesus. In conclusion, fact, the God of the woman Israel is not lazy, does not sleep, never changes, and is 100% committed to his own word. If he said it, he will do it. If you have not been completely sold out to the sovereignty of God, well, give yourself a little time. However, don't wait too long. The day of rapture is upon us. Next, we need to review how the beast comes back out of the sea that God once drowned him in. In number 48, the title is called The Two Beasts. And As we look at the verses 1 through 10 of chapter 13, we find details of two beasts. Nobody has to tell you that we live in times of confusion, uncertainty, religious emergence, and unrest. These four elements are needed for the world's people to beg for a powerful and influential leader to bring unity and peace. The reality of the human psyche is, and always has been, that people don't care if a leader is immoral, sly, and a bit corrupt. They continually seek candidates who will accept them for who they are, despite their sins, or should I say, mistakes. Can you imagine how the people will feel when the Antichrist arrives without any spot or blemish in his outward appearance? A man who not only promises to free the world of confusion, uncertainty, religious differences, and unrest, but he'll have a practical plan to do it. But as we know, that plan will not hold up to the sovereignty of God. God drowned the beast when he flooded the earth. In our next message, we will review how the beast rises out of the sea to establish the ten kings in our next message. The second beast comes from the earth to demand that all worship the first beast. Stay with us as we unfold the most intense part of the book of Revelation. Again, thank you for joining us. We look forward to reconnecting with you in our next message. Until next time.